Review. Let's do a little review. This is chapter 17, by the way, of 1 Samuel. David's at the battle line wanting to fight Goliath. By this time, has he been anointed to be the next king? He has been. Chapter 16, Samuel anointed David. Uh, What worried Samuel a little bit about going to anoint David when God said, go do that? He thought Saul would hear about it and he would kill him. So apparently Saul at this point knows nothing about that. That's, that's what the text seems to lead me to believe. It doesn't say that specifically, but, but that's what I think the situation is. David's been anointed. Saul doesn't know about it. And here's this young man going out to fight Goliath. How has David already been in Saul's service? Do you recall that from playing the harp? Evil spirit comes to torment Saul. God's supporting David, but he's withdrawing from Saul and sends an evil spirit. And so they get a young man to come and play the harp for him, and David happens to be that man. Do you see the providence of God in all of this? It doesn't, the word providence or the idea is not mentioned. It doesn't say God's behind all of this. But just a lot of things are just too coincidental in my mind, to be just coincident. Too coincidental? Too coincidental to be coincidence? I don't know. They just fall into place too well. Maybe that's a better way to say it. So here's David. He's in Saul's service, playing the harp for him to calm him down when he's upset. And we're back to this idea. Is there any indication at this point that Saul is aware of David's anointing? And there is not. So Saul's in his service. And now he, uh, having played the harp for him, He's going back and forth, the text says, between his home in where? Where's his home? Come on now. Where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. And that's David's home ground. So he's going back and forth from his house to Saul's service. And that's the situation when he comes out to meet Goliath. So let's do, let's do some reading. Where are we? I thought we got past that. Oh, wait a minute. That's uh, uh uh-oh. Did I do the wrong PowerPoint? Maybe I just need to go farther down. That's old. Oh, there it is. I misplaced it in a PowerPoint. At least it's there. I'm grateful for that. Chapter 17. Let's pick it up at chapter 17, Uh, read verses 24. Let's see. Twenty four through thirty. Who wants to read seventeen, twenty four through thirty? Everybody avert your eyes. Don't want to read. I mean I'll I'll read the whole thing if you want me to. But all right. I'm not trying to overpressurize anybody, but I appreciate it, Shannon. Shannon's going to take that text. Anybody want to take 31 to 40? Anyone for that? Jamie, all right. And then uh, 41 to 47? Bob? And then 48 to 54? Charles, great. Let's do some reading and talk about this text. 
saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the man, he burned with anger at him and asked, why did you come down here? Who did you leave those two sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, asked David? Can I even speak? Jen turned away to someone else and brought the matter up. She brought up the same matter. And the man Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with, it, with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered this lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the enemies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. Also, he clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in his shepherd's bag, and a pouch which he had, and his sling in his hand. And he drew near the Philistine. Then the Philistine came out and approached David with his shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy with a handsome appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you can come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up to my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that, there, and that all the assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into his hands, into our hands. Then it happened, when the Philistine came closer to meet David, but David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. 
And David put his hand into his bag and took out of it a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. And the stone penetrated his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with the sling and the stone. He struck the Philistine and killed him. And there was no sword in David's hand. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and finished him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Then the men of Israel and Judah rose up and shouted, and they pursued the Philistines as far as the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the Philistine, dead, lay along the way to Sharain, even to Gath and Ekron. Then the sons of Israel returned from their close pursuit of the Philistines and plundered their camps. And David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his weapons in his tent. Very good. Thank you all for reading. Does that sound like a couple of brothers? An older brother and a younger brother? What are you doing here? Go take care of those few sheep you've got. I know your wickedness, your heart. You just came to see the battle. Who was Eliab? He was the oldest brother. Should have been setting the example. And he doesn't seem to have a clue about his brother's character. Because what's it say about David? He's a man after God's own heart. And yet Eliab has misjudged him terribly. And thinks ill of him for coming down here. And what's the question that David's asking that's getting him in trouble with his brother? What will be done for the man who kills Goliath? And how many times does he ask it? More than once. You ever wonder, read this, why is he asking the same question over and over? I don't suppose anybody had it in writing. Maybe that's what he was after, trying to get some confirmation. Really? That's what? He's going to do that? I mean, I don't know about you, but if your family doesn't have to pay taxes anymore, that's pretty good motivation right there. I mean, there's all kinds of benefits to killing this giant, and he hears that. Well, wait a minute. Okay, I'm going to go over and ask these guys to see what they say. Yeah. But what was David's motive when it came right down to it? It was, it was God, his, his regard for God. How dare you, so to speak, defy the God of Israel? And so that's why he went up against Goliath. You ever read this and wonder, how in the world did Saul ever consent to let David fight Goliath? It's interesting to me, when you read verse 31, when the words which David spoke were heard, they told them to Saul, and he sent for him. What's going on? It doesn't say, but I'm thinking about trying to put my place, myself back in that place. Here's Goliath coming out, and there's not a soul who even has the, the courage to step up and say, you know, I might think about fighting that guy. Nobody. 
And then, then here's this kid comes in from his shepherding. And he says, well, who is this giant to do that? Let me add him. And so, well, who is that boy? Send, send him, bring him in here. And then there's this discussion between David and Saul. David says, verse 32, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go fight with this Philistine. And there's no reflection on the army that's there, no reflection on the soldiers from David's point of view. He's not saying, you bunch of cowards, what's wrong with you guys? How come you don't go out there and get this guy? He just said, don't let anybody's heart fail. I'll go take care of this situation. And Saul says, you're just a kid. You can't go fight him. And then what does David tell him? I killed a bear. What else? I killed a lion. Now, apparently, that swayed Paul pretty well. But who else did it apparently sway prior to coming into Saul's presence? I think it swayed David. If he had not had to face the lion and the bear, do you think he would have been able to say, I can do this, Philistine. That's no big deal. And I I have a... Every time I see this, I think, man, there's my life lesson. Every time things go wrong in life, every time there's a difficulty facing me, instead of complaining and saying, why me, Lord, and what have I done to deserve this? Because it's never that, hardly ever. And if it is, you don't get a note that says this is why. Anybody ever get a note that says this is why this is happening to you? I never have. Job never did either. Job didn't even, at the end of the book, God never came back to Job and said, you know, Job, let me explain to you what all just happened here. He never does that. Job's completely clueless. He's totally in the dark about why he went through all of that stuff. He just knows that he was supposed to keep his faith in God, and he did, and in the end, God blessed him. So here's David. He's having these difficulties. I I don't imagine he woke up one morning and said, you know what, I hope a lion comes out and tries to take a sheep today. I, that would be great to have to fight a lion. Or wouldn't it be wonderful if a bear showed up and I had to fight a bear? I don't think so. But that's what happened, and that's what he did. And because of those things, he can now say to Saul, I fought a lion and I fought a bear, and God delivered him into my hands, so now I know I can fight this Goliath. What does Saul try to do for David? Put armor on him. Whose armor? His armor. So probably a little bit larger than David's size. Jamie? So, reading it today, it, it, it feels a little different than what I've read it in the past. But I had always seen it as I'm a seasoned person. I'm king. I'm sitting here. And here's this punk coming up that hey, I killed the bear and the lion. I can do this. And he's like, yeah, sure. Lord be with you. Go on. And then it's a surprise that he's actually able to do it. And, you know, it, it, it always, even though David's coming from a place of humility, saying, hey, I can do this. Saul being the king and the seasoned warrior and all these things, looking at this person with no experience and just seeing a brash hothead going out. I was like, sure, I'll give you all the best things. Lord, with you, go out and do it. And then just the utter, utter shock. And I wonder if that led to him hating David so much further on is that that heart of God that he almost started to resent that yeah he was actually able to do what saved him. And Saul didn't. There's so many things like that that you think maybe that's part of it 
but you just don't see it in the text. And so you got to wonder, what's going on here? You think about your own, and, and maybe that's part of it too, because we, it makes us reflect on our own humanity and our own uh, egos, our own selfishness. How would I see that if I was Saul and I'm the king and I'm head and shoulders above everybody in height and I seem to be the most likely guy to go out against Goliath? I'm not going. I'm not going. And none of my soldiers want to go except this kid who shows up. And for some reason he says, okay, not only can you go fight Goliath, we'll give you permission to do that. I'll, I'll outfit you with my own armor. I don't know. Bob? Just to add to this, I may have missed it, but I never see where Saul recognizes David as the man who plays the harp for him in his throne room. Right. Like, Who's this kid? Yeah. yeah. So, oh, David. As a matter of fact, when this is all over, he's going to get his captain after, and he's going to be even more specific with his questions about who he is. And I. I don't really, this verse 17, verse 58, Saul said to him, uh, when, well, verse 57, when, when David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him, Abner is the captain of his army, took him and brought him before Saul with the Philistine's head in his hand. Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. And he could have said, I'm the guy that's been playing the harp for you when you get upset. And you go back to where he's playing the harp for him, and it even says Saul loved him and sent to Jesse that, that he could hold on to him and keep him in his service, but it's like Saul's moved on from that, and he's even so wrapped up in himself or what he's doing that he's forgotten who David is. I don't know what the explanation is for that, but now that David has come and killed Goliath, there's no recognition. Who is this kid? Janet? Back to the older brother, Elliot. Do you think he could have been jealous that David had been chosen as king out from under him? Still holding on to some of that? If he even knew that, it's possible that David did not divulge that. Because if, if word had gotten out, and maybe David was aware of this, if word had gotten out that he was anointed to be the next king, Saul could have wiped his whole family out. And so it's a possibility that Eliab knew that, but it never comes up. It's another one of those unanswered questions, which, see, when you, when you read the great novel writers of today, the reason novels are so thick is because those guys go into all the details behind the story and they explain everything, and God doesn't do that. And it's consistent here in all of the history, in the Gospels, in Acts. That consistency is there where God doesn't burden the reader with all the details of the stuff behind the scenes because there could be plenty of it. John? David kills Goliath. He does this. Yeah, I told you I could do it. You know, he doesn't go around gloating and, you know, high-fiving people and all that. He, he, he kind of stayed under the radar and like he didn't want recognition almost. He was like, this This was just what I was supposed to do. He... Well, maybe he was getting so many accolades at that point he didn't need to. I, I don't know. But there's his character coming back up. He's a man after God's own heart. And God's not arrogant or pride. 
Uh, Charles. Well, I was, was going to say he wasn't prideful about it, but he did gather the evidence. He, he did take that head with him. He did take the head with him. And I, I wondered, I don't know if the sudden killing Or if it just knocked him cold and David said, okay, I better finish this job. But that was pretty typical to, to take a head at that time. Mike and then somebody, oh, Mike and then Billy. There's a lot left out, a lot of questions. But there's little things that are there. Mm -hmm. Goliath did not have his shield up, evidently. What's that? Goliath did not have his shield up. Right. He did not have his sword, sword drawn. And yet when David hit him with it, Abel, it must have been below his helmet. They hit him in the forehead. Yeah. You know, so there are little things there. And then, of course, he cut his head off. He pulled his sword out. Right. Goliath's sword. Took the Goliath's sword. sword. Yeah, and he cut his head off. And then we'll read about that sword later on down the road when David yeah. sleeps and saw He'll acquire that weapon all over again. Um, but, uh, Billy. You, correct me if I'm wrong here. Since the earlier that this guy did not know that David was anointed, wasn't that his brother who was asking this question? Elior? 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 Asking the question. David was anointed in the presence of Elior in the household when his dad sent him out to, to find him in the field. Let's go back and take a look at that. Yeah, 1611 through 13. Are these all your children? This is 1611. He said, There remains yet the youngest, and behold, he's. Tending the sheep, and Samuel said to Jesse, send him and ring him, for we will not sit down until, uh, until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in, and he was ready with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him for this is he. Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Okay, there it is. He was anointed in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Okay, glad you brought that out, because that helps us to understand that Eliab did know that. So maybe that was part of his, uh, yeah, it's a possibility, knowing human nature. And he wouldn't say that if that was it, because sometimes you don't want people to know why you're upset, because you know it's, pretty, it's petty, or it's, it's misplaced, a misplaced judgment. All right, so David is successful when nobody else has been. And it's not just a victory for David. It says down in uh, chapter 17, verse 52, the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the valley to the gates of Ekron, and the slain Philistines lay along the way to Sherem, even to Gath and Ekron. The sons of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and plundered their camps. So this was a great day for all of Israel and the whole army. In his tent, that he has prevailed over this person. I mean, it's not like he's bragging the whole Israelite nation has seen it. And but he took the head to Bethlehem. You know. So is this just a trophy? I don't know. It doesn't say. But if Saul's spearhead was like 18 and a half pounds, how large do you suppose his sword was? Maybe it just wasn't something that you would carry around with you, even if you were a, a soldier. Yeah? 
Well, that's what Conan the Barbarian did too. So that's, there's your historical reference for that. But even today, you know, when, and this isn't to be critical, but when I hear of a guy hunting deer with some of these huge calibers, like a seven millimeter mag or something like that, or a 300 Winchester mag, it's like, really? Okay. But maybe that kind of comes into play that it was just a big sword. All right. Anybody got anything else on David fighting Goliath? There was, what's that? Yes, but. Say Goliath was overconfident because he hadn't even drawn his sword, you know, and uh, David uh, was confident in himself because he said, well, I, he reasoned, you know, I killed a bear, I killed a lion, uh, I think I can do this job too. But he also picked up five stones when he crossed the brook. <laughs> right. So he, he wasn't he wasn't that sure of himself. He, but he might have been thinking about taking one shot at the last Well, that's what they he said. He, he wasn't just going to shoot one shot, and that's what it is. But he, he left it all in the hands of God. Right. You prepare yourself, and you give it over to the Lord. Then God had to intervene. Any of us who have ever made a slain shot, out of old shoe tongues, you know, when we had leather shoes to wear out, and we'd take our shoelaces and, and make a slingshot. Well, it was difficult to hit the barn, let alone get the life between the eyes. <coughs> so God had to think whether David knew this would occur or not, I guess is a mystery. But still, as we read this and having had these experiences, there had to be divine intervention to defend. Well, there I can't remember the reference right now, but some of those guys must have practiced a lot because I know at one point it talks about David's soldiers who could sling a stone within an air's breath. So they, they had some, some competent stone slingers and David. They gave him the entire career practicing. Yeah, really. It would, it would take something. Uh, there is, it is also recorded that there is a troop of the soldiers that were slingers. They, 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 that's what they fought with was slings. So it was not something unusual. And well, you can just imagine if you're a, a mass of infantry. Yeah, but, but it, like I say, there was, whole, was a whole group of them, though, that was that was what they did right. in, the, in the army. That would be their artillery. That's right. <coughs> You've seen the movies where they, the archers do this, well, the slingers did that. You could probably do that faster with a bunch of stones than you could arrows. But at any rate... It was, a, it was a pretty common weapon. People knew about it. And somebody has even said maybe those five stones were because if you read back on, about Goliath, he had four brothers. Well, there's another thing we don't know. Why did he pick five stones? At any rate, he's got five. It's interesting, too. Things like that, um, people can come up with all kinds of speculations that after a while you think you read it in the text. I remember when Gideon, when God was working to, to choose Gideon's soldiers, he said everybody who gets down and laps like a dog, that's one group, but everybody who lifts the water to their face, that's another group. And people had all kinds of reasons why that was. But there's nothing in the text that says one way or the other. It just says, here's how you tell them apart. Whoever does this, do that. Choose them. Don't choose those guys. It didn't say anything about 
one way being better than the other. It just, that's the ones I want you to take. So no need to add anything to the text, which is tempting sometimes for us as human beings. We want to know reasons. It's a vigilant situation if you think about that. If you get down on your stomach, you're not vigilant. Vigilant at what's going on around you. If right. you get down on a knee and laugh with your hand, you can see what's going on around you and be prepared to stand up for battle. It's kind of a presence of what I see in that right there. Right. Now, see, that doesn't really make sense. But does that have anything to do with it? Because it's, it's not brought up in the text. Uh, it's just one of those, those unanswered questions. Press me that in it. Yeah, I was just thinking, uh, David told Goliath what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And he mean, even to the point that they were going to pursue him. You know, he just like he knew. You know, uh, we don't have all the answers, but we have confidence. I, I had a story shared, Dana told me about someone that really close, and <clears throat> they were talking about their health, and that if this happens... I, I don't, I'm not worried about it. She was telling the doctors that I'm good, you know. And I've always thought about that uh, and that we have this confidence. Even <coughs> in our lives, people around us see, how come you're not in trouble all the time? They don't say that. I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with all this stuff, you know. And I, I, I just, we have a confidence, but we don't know. You know, they was talking about the four Gospels. <clears throat> If all these things were written, it would fill the world. Right. Like, like you were talking about with the, the novel writers. So we can't have, I mean, we've got this where we can study the scriptures daily and learn and glean from it. But he doesn't give us everything. Otherwise, we'd just be consumed with this and not living life. But we can go through life with a confidence and a knowledge. And then, then we move forward. And that's kind of, kind of a little bit what I'm getting out of our study this morning. Right. If we think that we don't have all the details. What details did David have? Did he have a copy of the law that he carried around with him and he read that every day? Or, and did he even have, would he have had a copy of 1 Samuel? Oh, wait, no. 1 Samuel hadn't even happened because it was him. <laughs> so you know, all these things we're reading and we're getting uh, our faith built up from weren't even available to him. So he's a young man. He, he knows God somehow because he's been taught somehow. He's learned somehow. He's out there with the sheep in the middle of nowhere. Probably nobody to talk to but the Lord. He's got a lot of alone time, I imagine. And maybe that's how he developed his relationship with God. He could do. He had that confidence. Amen. And his, his faith was in God. And... We don't know how much of the word he ever even looked at, but there he was, a man after God's own heart. There was something about the way he was, he was turned inside that made him, uh, the only phrase I can think of is syncopatico with God, <laughs> but I think that's a pretty good way to explain it. Billy? I've heard people say that David killed Goliath with a stone. He didn't kill him with a stone. He knocked him down with a stone. And then he took his own sword, prevailed over him, and killed him with his own sword. But David didn't have a stone, a sword. So it wasn't, well, you say, it wasn't the stone that killed him. It put him, knocked him down, put him on his face, come knock him out, whatever. I don't know. But David took the sword and he killed him. But he still prevailed for God because this guy had come up and rail against God and his God of Israel. 
And if he, if he was dead from the stone, there was no doubt he was going to be. You get your head severed, that's pretty much death, I'd say. So, and there we are. Uh, just a couple of things to think about. To the whole army of Israel. Oh, go ahead, Kathy. Comment. So, in verse 50, it said, I'm reading from the NIV, so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Yes. So, then it follows up. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. So, my question is, <coughs> which is it? He was already The stone killed him. Well, this makes pretty clear that it was a stone. And then it said, you know, after he killed him, then he cut off his head. Right. So, it was the stone. This is one of the things that I notice. If you don't ask the questions, you won't search out the answers. But if you ask the question, you'll look for the answer. And that's how we got to this, because we were asking that question. If that question had never been asked, we would have gone from this class, and we never would have known that verse 50 was there. And so here we are. I. It, no? He just took his head off. Well, but you can cut the head off a dead guy, which is, which is what the Philistines did with Saul later on. He was dead. They cut his head off and hung his body up on the walls of Beth Shan. Well, it, it it doesn't even say the temple, though. It says his forehead. But 50 makes it pretty clear that it was at the point of impact with that stone that the spirit departed from Goliath. Bad day for sure. Mike and then Charles. Somebody say something about uh, killing twice. Yeah. Well, the, the famous killing is three times, and it's by the Persians. If you ever read any Persian history, they had the most cruelest way to kill people. Right. And the Persians had one called the three deaths. Wow. They killed people three times. They would barely bring them back to life and then kill them again. Wow. Some of the most horrendous stuff you ever read. Like some of the movies I've been to. Like the Hank of Beast. No, what happens in the movie, you're just trying to watch it. Oh, it was Charles? Charles? Oh, I, I was just going to say we need those CSI people. Oh, yeah. Go back and put some dust on it and get some branches or whatever. Yes. And God's, God's in this whole thing. So to Saul, to the armies of Israel, Goliath was something to be feared. But for Goliath, Goliath, for David, as it works out, Goliath was an opportunity. If, if the giant hadn't been there, 
he wouldn't have had the opportunity to kill Goliath and be recognized as a great hero among Israel. So you got to ask yourself, is this just happenstance that there happened to be this meeting with Israel and the Philistines and Goliath is put forth as the champion? Or is God saying, I got this big goober giant who thinks he's hot stuff over in the Philistines that they call See if I can work something out. Not see if I can work something out. I think I will work something out where I'm going to give David uh, an opportunity to rise to power and prominence. It doesn't say that in the text. None of that's in the text. But I'm reading this thinking, wow, is this just coincidence or is there more to it than that? Bob? This is the beginning of the major friction between David and Saul. Right. Because as soon as they get back to town, they'll be singing that David's Killed his ten thousands and Saul's thousands. Right. So, and and that's why Saul's upset. It has nothing to do with him being aware of the fact that he's been anointed to be the king. So, yeah, you just see so much of humanity in all of these people. It's not like, and as we'll read later, David is some superhero who comes in with a cape. And saves the day. He's just a, a shepherd boy whom God has enabled to do these deeds. And he's put forth in prominence among Israel. He's not a big, tall guy like Saul is. Saul is big and tall, and yet he's behaving smaller and smaller all the time. And we see that easily in the text. Was writing and then they described him in other translation says he was glowing mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm like you know I mean it's just a an insight for us you know, to give us an understanding of what uh, they were seeing at the time and it was thinking about how often is it that God uses the lowly things of this world that's what even Paul would write to the church at Corinth God doesn't use the great big grandiose things of this world. He uses the lowly things of this world. He uses you and me to get his his will done. People like us, because that's the way God works. He doesn't go for the big, famous, well-acknowledged things in this world. He goes for just the regular folks who are willing to say, I believe in you, Lord. And that's how God does it. And then that's part of his glory. So... It, it sounds ridiculous to save the world with a boat and eight people and some animals, but that's exactly what God did. And that one boat that we might, if you go to Kentucky and you see the the remake of it, it looks huge, but on the surface of the earth covered with water, it would have been tiny. And nevertheless, that's how God preserved humanity. And Peter even writes that it was the water that saved Noah and his family. And I, I thought the water was what they were being saved from, but the way Peter states it, no, the water saved them. And to me, that means the water is what wiped away the, the filthy sin of the world and preserved Noah. He was born up above that, and the water wiped out all the sin. And you, and Peter likens that to baptism. He says, like figure, we're into baptism, doth also now save us. Not the putting away to the filth of the flesh, but the answering up of a good conscience towards God. 
And what did David have? Had a good conscience towards God. So we can't let this Goliath come out here and challenge the God of Israel. And when David went before him, that's what he said. David said to the Philistine, this is 1745, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you, and I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all that came to pass. He struck Goliath down, cut his head off, and remember we read as the, the, the dead bodies of the Philistines were strewn all along the way as they pursued them back to their home country. And then they went back and plundered their, their stuff, got all their good gear, all their good camping gear, all those good Coleman stoves and Yeti coolers, all that stuff the Philistines had out there, surely. Oh, well. Randall. Goliath didn't raise his shield. He didn't use it. He had a shield. He had a spear, javelin, David. Lines up all his weapons of war, but apparently... I mean, if you're nine and a half feet tall, and here comes this ruddy little shepherd boy with his sling, you go... <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and that's... What does God send us out into the world with but the gospel? Out into the world where, man, the world's a mean place. And he says, you go tell them about me, how I died on the cross for them. And that's, that's the power of, of the gospel, the power of the message. Mike? I believe that's the last mention in, in the scripture there. He had a bearer who was carrying that sheep. Right. And I suppose he was somewhere near, near him where he could hand it to him. But Goliath seemed unconcerned, didn't he? Right, you didn't see him Even Saul, Saul will make David his armor bearer. So David will carry Saul's shield. That's that's the imagery we get there. So. Of a little fella that didn't have no sword, no armor of any kind. So he was just going to mock him or something. I don't know. Well, that's what he said. You come out to me like I'm a dog with a stick. And that's all David had. He had the But when God's the one behind you to do what you're doing, a sword. Right. So that he could kill him with a sword. That's right. Did the job. All right. I've learned some things this morning. I hope you have. I hope these are things that will embed themselves in your heart and carry you along today and for the rest of your life, and we can make some application. We've got a ways to go uh, to get through, Samuel, but it, it's all right. As long as we're... I went to a place the other day to eat, and it was a big, huge, fancy buffet. I... You might be surprised, but I did not eat everything that was there. But what I did eat really fed me well. And I think that's what happens when we come to the book. We, we want to study 1 Samuel, all 31 chapters, and then, oh, we don't make me get all 31 chapters. We might get to the 31st chapter before this quarter's over. We'll see. But at any rate, we'll, if we're learning, we're doing well.
Everybody okay? Everybody good? All right. Lord love you.